This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on the Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. For many of us here, KL is affectionately known as Kampong London. On today's property show, we talk about the property market in London and we are in conversation with Stuart Leslie. He's the International Sales and Marketing Director at Barrett Developments. We ask him how the London property market has been performing and its future outlook with Brexit, the pandemic, infrastructure and economic developments shaping this much sought after market. Welcome Stuart to the property show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Philip. So give us a broad outline. How has the property market fared in London as a result of the pandemic and Brexit? Because we haven't gone back to London for the past two, three years. Give us a sense of how it's evolved in the past two years. It's certainly been some strange times and we're we're very much looking forward to uh, welcoming everybody back to London as soon as the borders are open, but has been a great deal of uncertainty in the market. And that has really driven um, looking at different different parts of London as uh, opportunity hotspots. So whereas two or three years ago was a concentration of international investment into central London, particularly in zone one Now, the opportunity for value, growth and investment opportunity is is really outside of central London. So zones three to five and outwards. So we have seen a trend towards um, outer boroughs and particularly away from the really high end luxury properties in zone one and two. As far as the overlying uh, demand is concerned, we have a significant undersupply of good value for money properties in London. And uh, that's particularly properties up to approximately £600,000, but more properties for people to live in rather than properties for people to invest in. So we have a target for the industry of over 120,000 properties per year for the next five years. And as the UK's biggest house builder, we're delivering 18,000 properties a year with a target of 20,000 in the next three years. You can see there's a huge hill to climb and a great deal of demand still there to um, to, to deal with. So at this stage, you're saying demand is kind of outstripping supply in the in London per se. But if we dissect the geography of London, and you know, we always think about Zone 1 and Zone 2, as you mentioned, uh, and many Malaysians will be familiar with the likes of High Street, Kensington, Bayswater and such. How are those property prices in the centre of London? How are they holding up relatively? So if we look at the reports from JLL, Knight, Frank, Savile, CBRE and the, and the large um, agents that, that take a broader range on the market, the growth um, expectation is a lot lower than the outskirts suburbs for the next three to five years. So it's really looking at the diversification of investors' opportunity, and that's really towards these, these outer markets. Certainly, you know, West will always be West London and there will always be family homes there. There will always be a a sort of centric um, family nature there. But as far as investors are concerned and new age money coming into London, it's very much looking for those pockets of opportunity. So particularly in northwest London, up from Paddington towards Hendon and uh, that northwest corridor. And then also out to East London, where there's great opportunities in places like uh, West Ham, East Ham um, and other areas around about the Olympic Village. So it's really picking those opportunities for future growth that's driving investors' outlook. You framed actually specific uh, pockets really in the zone three, four, five, six, essentially, right? You were saying Northwest London, you know, and also you're seeing it also in East London. What 
is shaping these pockets of opportunity? What is the infrastructure or connectivity that's making it so appealing and alluring? That's a really good question, Philip. So uh, in West London and Northwest London in particular, I I believe it's the opportunity to be, as I said, close to the family homes that will always be in the the sort of traditional West London postcode. But people searching for better value for money, perhaps a little bit more green space, but still access to inter-central London in a short period of time. So if you take one of our projects uh, uh, in in Wembley, so number 10 Watt Road, you can actually jump on the tube there at Wembley Park Gate and you can be into Baker Street in 12 minutes. So although you're actually in zones four and five, you you can get accessibility into the centre very, very quickly. The same instance in East London, you're very well connected with the DLR into Canary Wharf, and then you're through into the um, central line into central London as well, very, very quickly. So that opportunity is growing with improved infrastructure coming like the Elizabeth line as well, which will be the crossrail network that will reduce times from East to West London by approximately a third. So yeah, crossrail is a very interesting infrastructure, as you were mentioning, right? It really accelerates the connectivity from Heathrow all the way to West London, potentially even Canary Wharf, right? Uh, so talk about the adjacent properties across the core crossrail. Where's the appreciation in price you see happening now in these locations? Well, of course, the crossrail has been around for a long time and it's almost completed. So it's not every so often that you get these major um, infrastructure improvements, particularly a new underground line from start to finish. So as you said, Philip, from um, southwest London all the way through to northeast London, it connects lots of different areas across London into Heathrow Network. But it also helps with travel times to Canary Wharf, London and other areas as well. Planning and the construction of uh, Crossrail has been going on for several years. There is already an element of value that's built into the property prices in those suburbs around those connected um, train stations. But we always see an uplift in prices when those stations come online and operational. So I'll give you an example. We had a project in uh, Nine Elms Point um, where you may have heard that, but it's just a matter of weeks since they opened the extension to the Northern Line, which is servicing now uh, Nine Elms uh, Tube Station and also Battersea Park uh, Tube Station as well. Now, the price is there already doing extremely well, but they've increased again by approximately 3.5% just since opening, just because of the um, better uh, connectivity. So even though these prices are already built into the pricing and some of the uh, projects, there's still opportunity for future price growth around where there's infrastructure improvement. And that's really the main driver of uh, of investors' decision-making is where is the current infrastructure and where will the future infrastructure improvements be? So you you clearly paint her east to west connection where everything gets accelerated. Do you see anything that drives also a bit of the northern and southern corridors of London? So of course you've got HS2, which has been in the headlines recently, um, high-speed networks from the north down into London. Um, and you also have the West Orbital, which connects there through HS2 to the Heathrow and also into, into London as well. So one of our projects, which is Western Circus in West London, definitely has seen a huge benefit from being a gateway project and being on that um, Western Orbital to, uh, train line. But um, as far as north to west, sorry, north to south is concerned, we are seeing a, a regeneration in certain pockets of the like big projects like um, Elephant Castle area. And also in the north, you have lots of projects happening around Camden, um, Camden Lock and that sort of area as well. So there's lots of exciting regeneration, um, but the major infrastructure improvements are, are, are built around the, um, sorry, the Elizabeth and the Crossrail, yeah. Right. As, as I mentioned to you, so Nine Elms Point is part of that Northern Line extension. So that does help with the, with connectivity through to the city and, and beyond. Let's just 
let's take a step back and we you know we see the infrastructure driving the connectivity. Can we talk about the incentives or perhaps even the disincentives that are being put in place in the past two, three years? Because, you know, for us, our concept of London as a property market perhaps is a bit more outdated. What has happened in the past one to two years to perhaps encourage more foreign investment in property in London particularly? Yeah, I, I think um, I'm not sure, quite sure I agree, Philip, with, with your um, analysis of the Malaysian market because investors from Malaysian market are very savvy and, and they're not, they, they look beyond the incentives, they look beyond the um, the discounts of these that are in the market and they really look towards what is the true yields of the properties, what is the true um, opportunity growth for the prices and they, they really look at the market metrics rather than what are the best offers in the market. So of course there's been, I'll give you an example, the stamp duty holiday that was uh, brought in by the government uh, last year as part of the pandemic support package for the industry did very well with um, keeping the, the market going. But that was very much the, the domestic market. And as we saw a couple of years ago when they brought in increased um, stamp duties for overseas investors, there is a slow in the market, but there's still momentum to the market in London from overseas investors. It doesn't matter if there's an additional 2% uh, increase on your acquisition costs, if you're still going to make 80, 90% over the next five to 10 years. So investors are taking a medium to long-term view, and particularly Malaysian investors are looking to secure properties best value possible at the moment and looking for these pockets of value opportunity. Where, where are the projects that are going to do well, but also where are the projects that have less facilities in them so they don't want any more like um, swimming pools tennis courts and all that kind of um, facilities they, what they want is good value for money properties perhaps a little bit bigger perhaps with a little bit of outdoor space and um, that's going to stand the test of time with residents that are going to be there longer So my question here is when you talk to the Malaysian property investor in UK are they willing to take risks? Are they willing to plump for new developments perhaps not tried in areas that are not tried and tested as opposed to the more established locations that, that they are more well known for, right? In your view, are Malaysian property investors willing to take more risk? Another good question. In, in our experience, in my, my experience, particularly with Malaysian customers, I, I believe that they are risk, but only in areas where they're familiar with. So as you said, Philip, you studied in, in London and, and many, many people from Malaysia that are investing back into London have a history and have a knowledge of London. Now, where they, they're comfortable um, with, with the local areas, they feel comfortable. I'll give you a, a, a perfect example. We have a project um, in East London called New Marketplace. It's in East Ham. I had an, a Malaysian investor who, who had lived in that area and had studied at um, King's College, but had lived in the area. He knew the area particularly well. And when we explained what the regeneration um, project was all about and how we were reshaping the high street, we were bringing retail, roof gardens, exciting um, elements to the project, he knew exactly where we were talking about. And he said, that's absolutely right for investment. I'm sure that the growth will be there and I'm sure that the, rent, the rental market will be there. I'll take a chance on it, even though it's not being delivered for another 18 months. So I, I believe that, that that's the case. Certainly not um, the same as when you go to um, some other Asian markets. They'll walk into a launch and they'll purchase a property without being there, without knowing it, based on the knowledge and experience of the agents and the developers that are there. Malaysians tend to want a little bit more in-depth knowledge and perhaps first-hand experience of those markets. And we're going to talk more about the Malaysian property investor in London after the break. With me today is Stuart Leslie, International Sales and Marketing Director at Barrett Development on London Property Market. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Stuart Leslie. He's the International Sales and Marketing Director at Barrett Development on the London Property Market. Now, Stuart, 
Why do Malaysians invest in property in London? That's a very good question. We are seeing a lot of uh, investment at the moment, which is a hedge against inflation. So inflation is a global risk in every country. And, and I know that in Malaysia, there have been over the last few years, whilst we've had our instability in, in the UK with Brexit and the pandemic, there's twofold. One is is um, perhaps an, an area where they feel that long term, it's a safe investment, although you may not get as high returns as perhaps in some more speculative markets or even in Malaysia. And secondly, it's a hedge against inflation as well. So people really um, looks to um, bricks and mortar or property when there is uncertainty in the markets, make price pressures. So uh, the investment in property is obviously tangible. It's somewhere that's easy to service rental yields, but it's also got a significantly strong uh, trend over the last 30 years and next 10 to 15 years of capital growth. So really it's a safe haven investment is the, is the number one priority. Do you think pound sterling affects decision making? Absolutely, it does. And we've seen through the Brexit period, certainly pressures on the pounds giving overseas investors purchase into London at a relative discount. What we're looking at now, if we talk to our economic forecasters and the you know, banks or the uh, consultancy houses, they're talking about returning on pound as uncertainty is embedded through the Brexit process. So we've probably gone through as much uncertainty as we could, um, both through Brexit and also the pandemic, but certainly long-term, relatively strong um, property growth and price growth. And just help me understand, when a Malaysian investor now, you know, plums for a property in London, is it usually for rent? Do they, you know, is it a yield driven play or is it more capital appreciation? Number one, pure investment. So that's your buy to let investor. They're going to purchase the property. They're going to leave it there, have it rented out and then perhaps use it for their children in the future or gift it to their children in the future or sell it for a capital gain further down the line. But that's usually medium to long term. There's a lot of interest for Malaysian families to consider a property in London, whether it be for themselves or for our students to use throughout their time at university. So that's a that's a psyche that the, the Malaysian market is comfortable with and tapped into as well. So those are the two main reasons why people invest into property in the UK from Malaysia. So it's very interesting, right? Because I, I'm quite keen to understand the distinction between a Malaysian investor, perhaps uh, versus maybe a Singaporean or Hong Kong investor, uh, you are kind of alluding to that they are a bit more less risk-averse. They need to know the area. They need to feel the area a bit better because of you know some historical connections in the past, perhaps having studied there before. Uh, what other different attributes are Malaysian property investors looking at? Perhaps, you know, in terms of the format, the types of properties that are of interest to them, what are their interest areas? So definitely the traditional markets of Hong Kong and Singapore will be quite speculative and they will look to, um, there's such a lot of launch activity, there's such a lot of marketing in those markets that that drives opportunity to invest. So people all go into a development very early on and perhaps purchase off, off plan two, three years off plan with a view to the property getting more value by the time it's delivered. In Malaysia, I don't missing out drives investment decision-making process. It's much about where is the best place my funds. So London is traditionally a, a stronghold, very positive market relations. But you know the, the emotion drives also the decision-making process as well. So Malaysian families or Malaysian investors 
will have had some experience in the London market previously. They will look to invest in where they like. As far as Asian investors look towards new build properties, because it's a remote investment, they're looking for a product that is taken care of for them. You know, if you were going to live in London, perhaps you would purchase a period property or a property that you could do refurbishment to, um, or there'd be some opportunity for expansion. But as an investor, it's very much about let's purchase something that has great warranties. So two-year warranties, there's 10-year structural warranties. So for the length and, and lifetime of that investment, you don't have to worry about anything that goes wrong. It's really taken care of. So I think that's an important driver as well. Consider the type of property. It's very much one bedrooms or two bedroom properties. They don't tend to purchase three bedroom or multiple family dwelling properties. Um, certainly at the moment from um, Singapore and, and uh, Hong Kong in particular. And I think that's probably more linked to the b no visas that are being offered for Hong Kong residents. Yep. Though there are trade agreements, there's opportunity for movement um, of people between the two countries. It's still very much about, I've got probably the investor from Malaysia will have a property in Malaysia already. They may even have an investment property in Malaysia or in, in a surrounding uh, region, but they're looking at uh, an opportunity to grow their wealth or to protect their wealth medium to long term. What's your advice to a Malaysian that has decided I'm going to invest in property in London, what are the best solutions and approaches to secure financing for property in London? important to understand the current trends on property and where that's going to drive future growth and future rental yields. So at the moment, the market is very much looking at money properties within commutable distance to London. They are still looking for more outside space from the pandemic and also hybrid working or working from home. Um, properties between zones three to five or even a little bit further out are proving there at the moment both for rentals and for purchasing. So where there's that demand, that's going to show that there's going to be a lack of supply. Therefore, the prices are going to um, increase um, albeit maybe more cons- conservatively than it was um, before Brexit, before the pandemic. Talk to agents, you can talk to um, the developers about the various different projects, but look for areas of generation, look for areas of, of opportunity growth. As far as finance is concerned, work with brokers that have access to the whole market. So obviously being the UK's biggest house builder, Barrett works with the UK's biggest mortgage brokers. So LMC and Talk24 access to all of the lenders on the market and all of the products available on the market. There are certain where investors will choose to do private finance and where perhaps their circumstances are more tricky than the normal retail investor. But nine times out of 10, the developers, the agents and the brokers, you'll get access to access to all of the products on the market. And what's your advice then after you finance and you purchase the property with respects to management of the property? Because, you know, for many Malaysians, they're still most live in Malaysia. So what is the best solution with respect to managing properties in London when you are thousands of kilometres away? It's a really big decision to purchase a property in London and they are expensive properties. You know, there's no denying it's it's a large amount of people's wealth that they're putting into the property. So you're right. You need to pick the, the manager very carefully, first of all, to make sure that they're going to take care of the property, but also um, furnishing the property, giving advice on the furnishings of the property and what the investor best do with that property is into long-term lets or short-term lets. You need to have a management advisor that knows local markets. As, as a business, we don't tend to um, refer business through to large national management. It tends to be more local, um, independent management agents. 
and they also give more personal advice. Uh, it happens every time somebody purchases a property with us. They ask us advice on different uh, subjects, whether it's finance, whether it's schools, whether it's um, uh, job application processes. Once you purchase a property, there's a lot of trust at transaction. So it's important to, to um, consider the management agent carefully. Our, our advice normally is use the, the prominent local agents. You'll get better um, results than you will using a larger national brand. You know, thank you for being on the show, Stuart. Uh, I've been speaking to Stuart Leslie, International Sales and Marketing Director at Bear Developments on the London property market. I'm Philip C. signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.